Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hillside is less than a month away, and in case you forgot to buy your tickets, don't worry. Single-day tickets are still available for Friday, July 25th and Sunday, July 27th. Come be part of an engaging weekend of music, art, community, and celebration featuring artists such as Tegan and Sarah, Fortet, Baja Bulat, Hey Rosetta, various spoken word performers, children's music, neighborhood organizations, craft and food vendors, workshops, and much, much more. Tickets are available online at www.ticketbreak.ca and also at retailers across southern Ontario, such as The Bookshelf and The Beat Goes On here in Guelph, Soundscapes in Toronto, and Encore Records in Kitchener. Hillside is a physically accessible event. Get your tickets before they are gone, as you do not want to miss out on this year's Hillside experience. Creative Control with Beach on the program today, my old friend Charles Austin from Halifax, Nova Scotia joins me ostensibly to talk about the Super Friends, although we didn't talk that much about the Super Friends, come to think of it. We talked about other stuff, Al Tuck, the Ramones, the Wiggles, Jen Grant, Paper Beat Scissors, a whole bunch of stuff, Monomyth. It's good. Super Friends playing in Guelph, very rare show for at the Hillside Festival, so that's why Charles and I decided to have this chat and share with you. So enjoy. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Words and Pictures, The Immigrant, Don Giovanni, The Fault in Our Stars, The Grand Seduction, and more. On Thursday, July 24th, the Medicine Hat, Shopkeeper, and Milk and Honey play the E-Bar. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Charles Austin lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and is one of the best musicians, producers, and people that I know. Austin has played in bands and projects like Noisyland, The Lodge, Lost Wax Guild, Aqua Alta, and Psychic Fair, and he's also collaborated with Buck65 and Al Tuck, among others. He first gained prominence in the mid-1990s when his band The Super Friends became underground favorites, releasing three killer albums and some EPs and singles and touring the continent as headliners, but also frequently opening for people like Sloan and Guided by Voices. Their landmark debut album, 1995's Mock-Up Scale Down, was issued on vinyl for the first time last year, and after years of inactivity, the band is playing select shows, including one at the Hillside Festival in Guelph on Saturday, July 26th. Here to discuss this further is Charles Austin. Uh, hey, Charles, how are you? Good, good, Vish. Good, uh... Yeah, pretty. You're saying select is pretty select. I think that's the only show <laughs> that we're. <laughs> it's very selective. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Guelph was selected, but that's it's great that we got selected. That's good. 
No, it's well, it's, it's great that we got asked to do it. So we were trying to do like a miniature kind of tour around that, but um, it's kind of it's really hard for people of our kind of advanced uh, advanced age to schedule things like this. So it was it was it was the only one that we could do because just because of everyone's really kind of busy. So yeah. But I, yeah. and, I, and then, like as far as I know, you played when the sort of around the reissue time, which I don't even know if the reissue was ready. But you played like Toronto, yeah, and then you played Halifax, and I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, we did two. Yeah, in the last like ten, like I don't know, <laughs> I don't want to say ten. It's probably like seven or eight years we played this, those three shows. We played, yeah, we played. We went to Toronto to play the Murder Records uh, 20th anniversary show, but at that, the, uh, but the reissue wasn't ready for that. It wasn't ready for. It took a while for the thing to get to uh, come out. So that was for that uh, Murder Records book. Yeah. The uh, nice, yeah, with the single. Um, but yeah, so this is yeah, this is kind of a rare occasion, and this, and I know that you've alluded in uh, other conversations I've had with you. We've talked about uh, drummer, drummer problems, and. Uh, um, in this, well, hopefully it's not going to be a problem, but we've got, we've had to re- recruit a youth uh, <laughs> to play this show in Guelph, <laughs> and I'm going to meet him and play with him. I, I must have met him before, but his name's uh, uh, Kieran Adams. Yeah, we playing drums. Yeah, he plays so, in, he uh, plays in Diana too. Yeah, yeah. I guess Matt Matt says he's a great drummer. I've heard he's really good. Um, and he used to play with Ben, ben uh, Gunning, so I'm not really too worried about that. It's uh. But unfortunately, Dave Marsh, who's been playing like drums in the last bunch of shows, he uh, his brother is getting married the day of the Guelph show, and it was he was getting a lot of uh, family pressure to be. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't something he could miss. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's unfortunate, yeah. but uh, that thanks for the explanation. I wondered what was going on because Dave, in a lot of ways, is the Super Friends glue. Well, he's kind of an important. He's well. It's weird. Like we had two, two kind of long time drummer. Well, maybe three, but Dave and Lonnie James were definitely like the ones that really kind of um, defined their the records because they played on the records. So they're in a weird. Dave's style kind of really suits the band because he kind of he's got a lot of like classic influences, but he's also kind of you know he can do a lot of uh, Keith Moon kind of. Uh, Topper, Topper Heaton, I guess is how you say his last name. Mm-hmm. From the Clash. Uh, the, From Clash. the Clash. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of synthesized all those styles, so he's kind of really good for for us. And, and um, you know, Lonnie had the kind of crazy, more almost more of a, a, a punky kind of energy, but that was also really good. So one of those guys, and it kind of has to be one of those guys pretty much for it to be, uh, you know, to, for the recording. So I think this Kieran fellow, from what I've heard, is going to be really good. So I'm kind of excited, actually, about, trying to play the songs with somebody else because you kind of reinvent them as you go. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> and they're Kieran, pretty old. <laughs> yeah, Kieran's, Kieran's great. That's great. So you're going to meet, you're playing this Saturday and you have not met your drummer yet. No, <laughs> I'm going to meet him on Thursday. We actually had to sh- switch our flights. Like the thing about these songs, like when you play them like a couple hundred times, they're, they are, it's a disgusting term, but the term is muscle memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they're really, they really are kind of ingrained in your uh, just like the the patterns and stuff are pretty ingrained so then you just kind of re just kind of brush up on that and it's usually good but i mean with a different drummer there's going to be subtle things that are going to kind of change can maybe reinvent it a bit or just play a little differently so that's i i don't know i i'm i'm looking forward to it i know maybe i'll be freaking out like the day of the show or something like that because i haven't you know play the show with the band in a year and a half but i don't know i'm sure it'll be fine <laughs> kieran, <laughs> you, roll with it. you do kieran is in uh dawson city as you and i are speaking right now his band diana are oh, okay up, they're up at the dawson city music festival so not only is he gonna have to come back and learn a bunch of songs he's never <laughs> played before he's got to adjust to like sun like moon nighttime i guess i was gonna say sunlight but he's gonna have to yeah. like reacclimatize himself to so many things at the same time it's a real it's an amazing challenge you put forth for this young man yeah, well, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't really be in the spirit of the band if it was any other way. It just seems like these kind of things ha- uh, happen, and you know, we had the f- originally uh, Drew, who lives in Halifax, uh, the guitar Drew Yamato, the 
other guitar player besides Matt Murphy, he and I were going to come in on a Friday morning and I got an email from Matt and said, this is, that's a big problem. And I was like, Oh yeah, why? It's like, Kieran won't be here <laughs> or he has to leave in the afternoon. So we literally wouldn't have had a chance to practice with the guy. So that, you know, I'm really glad that we're going in on Thursday. We can have a long rehearsal Thursday night and Friday morning and just kind of get things worked out. Right. All right. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to, <laughs> I mean, it's good to have the context of what's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it no matter what. So that's cool. It'll be entertaining no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> now you, are you in Halifax right now as, a, as we're speaking? Yeah. So yeah, what, what's yeah. the what's the latest uh, news in Halifax? What's everyone kind of talking about right now? Like bands and stuff? No, actually, or just, just in general. General. I know there was a hurricane kind of thing happening recently. Did that did that have a huge impact on the city? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of lot of falling trees. It was pretty crazy. I was actually going that day. I felt kind of weird about it, but I had uh, Mike O'Neill and. Mike Gladenberg and I went to play a show in PEI that day, so I kind of left oh. the city, and we drove to PEI, and my, you know, I got my my family here, but uh, you know, it was it wasn't like Hurricane Juan, it wasn't cho- crazy, but it was it was there were some there were a lot of people who lost power, but we were driving to PEI and the wind was insane, hmm. um, but we got there and we played this uh, club, awesome club and or place to play in PEI called the Trailside cafe which is run by pat you must know pat dean or you heard of pat dean who does strawberry he's been strawberry and uh, a bunch of these other bands anyway he's got a great if uh people are looking for a place to play in pei this is a great place to play trail side the trail side okay yeah and they put you up and they feed you like really really good food and we play we play a show there with a band called mardine mm-hmm. um mike o'neill band which is mike and myself and mike Gladberg on drums and then mardine played Nice. Yeah, it was really, it was great. Yeah, so it was worth the brave in the hurricane for that. <laughs> so Halif- and, um, Halifax was impacted, but uh, but people are recovering. It's not, it's not, it's not like Hurricane Juan. It's not like that kind of thing where, which that was crazy, you know, like no, no power for, you know, three or four days. It wasn't like that here in Halifax. How long ago but, was, uh, how long ago was Hurricane Juan? Uh, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it was around 2004. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty nuts, um, but that se- they seem to be getting we seem to be getting more of them. Maybe not the same severity, but we're getting more, definitely more hurricanes. And you never really know what to think, right? You don't know if it's going to be crazy or it's just going to be like a heavy downpour. Right. Um, so there's you know there's like three or four of them every year now, and it's it's definitely uh, it's getting. I don't know if it's I probably can attribute it to climate change, but it is definitely the, 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 there's been a lot more in the last few years than, you know, the last 10 years previous. So yeah, you've been in Halifax like over 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. A long time now. Um, Hmm. yeah. So, uh, I I don't really know what else is going on. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think of interesting that, you know, there's a bunch of the same thing as usual. There's a bunch of new, there's good, like young bands that keep coming up and then breaking up or, you know, trying to do something. And there's, uh, I think you talked to that band Monomyth a while ago. Mm-hmm. Those guys are, they're, yeah, there's a good look. They're, uh, one of the more kind of interesting bands around right now. I'm kind of excited about their record coming out. And there's a, there's another band called Walrus who are really good. And, uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff going on. I don't know if it really always travels, much out of, I guess, Monomyth kind of because they're on Mint, they kind of, people kind of hear about them, but, you know, it's pretty much the same, just like people in bands and uh, people in five different bands. and Everyone's in a billion different bands, right? Yeah, and, and like not a lot of venues, you know, and just the same kind of, a lot of house shows these days. What's going on with the venues? I thought, I mean, the last time I was in Halifax was for the Pop Explosion. And yeah, you know, you're running around all the different venues. It seemed like things were going on. Like this, like the Seahorse has like a is like also has a dance kind of thing that starts at midnight. So that's one I want to see. Uh, Evan Dando play there a month or two ago. It was a great show, but right at midnight, you know, pulsating dance music started. Like no exceptions. Hmm. Um, so it's that kind of thing. Like they're trying to figure out ways to generate 
revenue. You know, the marquee is not really open that often, just like special events. So there's basically like Gus's and the seahorse and, um, there's a little kind of grimy, awesomely grimy club called Jacobs in Dartmouth, which is more, more of a punk kind of club, I guess. Like there's a bunch of bands around that scene over there in Dartmouth. It's a little grittier than Halifax. It's pretty, pretty fun. Like a little hole in the wall basement where you just, you know, you, you, you know, you have a shoebox and you collect $5 and five bands play that kind of, that kind of club. It's, It's pretty cool. And you you're making um, you're making it out to shows still like I mean you you're a guy who works uh, in a recording studio I, I presume almost every day is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, yeah, I still try. Well, you know, it's it's hard because I have to get up early, <laughs> so that kind of that kind of puts the the kibosh on a lot of it. But I do still try to go see. I, I go see a lot of the bands that I work with just because I kind of want to get a sense of what they're doing, and hmm. and then you have the release show, but um too so yeah there's a band there's a couple of band there's a bunch of bands around like this band i'm recording called the scoop outs who are kind of like very grungy hmm. um really good songs kind of like very oh well their favorite band is the me puppets and that's one of my favorite bands too so we we really get along the on scoop, that you know the, musically yeah they're called scoop the, outs, yeah. the scoop outs yeah they're really good they're when they're on they're super on when they're off it's kind of like you know actually when i saw them it, it kind of reminded me of what you know what I imagine seeing a replacements like would would have been like when they're either super on or super you know just a, a shambles and but when they're on they're great so that's one band I'm really excited about. But, okay, uh, the scoopouts. I'll keep yeah. an eye, I'll keep an eye out for them. Now what? Yeah, you actually worked today, right? You were were you in the studio today? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty muggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that word again. It was yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna go back tonight. Like generally. Uh, I do, you know, there's a lot of like people just kind of doing small projects, and and it's kind of what I found is a lot of the time I'll be working on things like a little sporadically over the course of you know six months. You'll spend like three hours here, three hours there. So it's a lot of little projects, which is cool. And then sometimes my Gra- uh, Graham Campbell, the uh, Gray Matter like the guy I do some of the buck 65 stuff with, we'll get a, like a little TV soundtrack or film soundtrack thing. And that'll, that'll kind of like take some energy for a, a few weeks. So there's that too. So it's just trying to, you know, trying to, trying to keep, uh, keep it's, it's a bit of a hustle, you know, as you can imagine, it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, working a, um, in the, it's a, it's a labor of love and a, and a, and a, a bit of a hu- uh, hustle, but you know, if I didn't like it, I, you know, I'm going to go back tonight at seven for a couple hours, but, you know, I like this stuff I'm working on, so it's you, not quite as painful. Yeah, are, the, <laughs> the thing you worked on today, was that your own thing, or were you working with somebody else? No, no, that was a guy named uh, uh, Tr- uh, Tim Crabtree. He's got a thing called Paper Beat Scissors. Mm-hmm. It's got, like, he's done some stuff with uh, Snail, Mike Fierstack, and um, and a bunch of the... He's actually plays a lot in Europe, and he's we're just doing some uh, guitar stuff overdubs and stuff on his record and it's sounding really good he did a bunch of drums with uh nathan Doucette. i don't know if you know who that guy is the drummer from uh he'd be known for yellow jacket avenger oh yeah Frost. Cool. really good drummer really cool drummer and so there's a bunch of drum tracks we're just we're, we're overdubbing on and wait he's also yeah, he's in um he's not in crosses is he yeah he is that guy's yeah. phenomenal that's a great drummer right there nathan Doucette. yeah yeah he's, he's great yeah he's amazing yeah so he he's kind of like he now is kind of at the point where people will get him to play on their records. You know, people would find out that this guy was really, really good at specific. You know, he's really good at like that kind of heavier, like crosses type stuff. And he's good. He's pretty versatile. So he's a great drummer. So it's cool to see people actually like hiring him to play on their records. And he's really, you know, easy to work with. So there's guys like that. You know, there's a bunch of like new blood <laughs> where you get these people who are consistently on different people's records. So that's, I like, I really like that too. You know, you get to know who's good at what and you get to work with them. And Yeah, no, and Tim, to, Tim, yeah. Tim's really cool. I met Tim at, uh, at uh, La Nivania in St. John's last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's really, really good. He's an amazing finger picker. So it's just watching him play these guitar parts. I don't know if it's, I don't know what you're liking it too. It's kind of a little bit, uh, radio headish or something the yeah. stuff he's doing it's yeah. pretty you know but the the 
you know, it's just like, you know, when you're, um, you can kind of be, it's kind of humbling, you know, when you see people doing something really well, like when you're recording music, often when you work with people who are really good players, it's kind of humbling too, because it kind of puts it in perspective too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally. Now I, I listed off a bunch of things that you've been, you've done and some of them are things you're doing. What, what are your, what are your current sort of active Halifax musical projects, Charles? Um, well, the band that, uh, we're, uh, Psychic Fair, that, that band's, um, it's kind of more like, you know, old timers hockey when guys, guys kind of like <laughs> lace up their skates once a week and then they go out and play. it's kind of like that. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, I played in the OHL and we're, <laughs> I'm still into it kind of thing. So we do, that's Cliff Gibb from Fresh Hermit, the drummer uh-huh. and, uh, Andrew Glencross, who is, I played with for a long time. He plays bass, but he's played keys in that noisy land band. So, mm-hmm. and then, and then, uh, we got this, the new blood, we've got Josh Salter from mono myth on vocals. So kind of like trying to, trying to co-op like the, uh, younger, uh, generation, you know, kind of to almost in a vampiric kind of way. Like, you know, oh, that kid's got a lot of energy. He's got a really cool voice. Let's get him to sing. So <laughs> we got, we got him. <laughs> he, Josh actually knows a ton of it. Like, obscure stuff from our era or my era so it's good like he he can reference something he knows what you're talking about so. totally yeah like I, I he was on as you mentioned yeah josh also plays in monomyth and he was on the show uh, a little while ago and and yeah when i was got to talk to him he like he knew lyrics to songs that i kind of would just reference you know just barely i just barely mentioned a song and he would just know all the words and like yeah clearly like a huge student of music that kid like a scholar, yeah. Like he'd be like, he'd be like, oh, what, you know, what about the only ones? And I, I know like one song. He's like, oh, the second record's really good. Third record's okay. You know, like that kind of thing. Like he knows, oh, like stuff that I don't know how he could possibly know that much about that stuff. That he, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, he's like, but, I, I think yeah. that's all he does. I well, he's from uh, Hubley, Nova Scotia, and I got the impression there's not a whole ton to do there. Yeah, that's what he. That's the way he spins it. Yeah, and I think they also have the like, maybe from the internet generation where it's like, oh, okay, well, I really like, you know, Husker Du, so Google that, and then it's like, oh, you know, Squirrel Bait and yeah, Volcano Suns, and uh, you know what I mean? Like he kind of, he kind of, they can find out this information that might have used to be pretty hard to access, or you'd have to like scour through some like. Force Exposure magazine or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like they, these, like they, they can find out this stuff. Like some kid in like Hubley or uh, rural Cape Breton can find out everything about you know whatever band. Yeah, like know. every everyone's records are all on YouTube. You can find everything. I don't know why we're talking. Like we just discovered something that everybody <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of I do miss the feeling of buying them and not knowing what it was going to be. Like you know, I remember reading that Sonic Youth sounded like REM. And I was a big REM fan, so I went and bought, like, Evol or something. I was like, what the hell is this? And then, of course, in retrospect, it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's really great, but it's nothing like REM, except yeah. it might be a bit droney or something. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird that I had never heard those two. I mean, they obviously have some uh, degrees of separation and have played with each other. You know, I think Sonic Youth opened an REM tour once or something. Um yeah. Yeah, but when so, yeah, it was weird because like that, that would have been like 1983 or 1984. And it's like this is a new band that's kind of got some guitar in it, so it's like, and that's before REM. We're like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like they were just a bit, another big college band or something. And yeah, so so Psychic Fair is one of your projects. Anything else going on? Well, that that um, Graham and I, the aforementioned Graham Campbell, we did a bunch of. Uh, songs with uh, the singer named Jen Grant, like singer-songwriter here, (laughs) who we kind of met working with Rich Terfry, so we met her a couple years ago, so we just did, we've got like about, like a 10-song record that I think is getting actually going to get put out just by like a little label, kind of dream pop stuff called Aqua Alta, it's just like my idea of what, um, or, you know, it's very collaborative, but I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, what if, you know... Um, a band like Opal, you know, I don't know if you remember Opal, but yeah. like later became like Mazzy Star or whatever. Like, what if you wrote a bunch of cool instrumentals and had a, a female singer, like someone who was really into singing as opposed to like a reluctant dude, right? 
So that that's kind of the idea behind that. It's like, okay, well, just get someone to sing who really, really likes to sing and can write. She can write all these different melodies. She's really good at writing crazy melodies. So, um, yeah, so we did, but that's taken a really long time to finish just because of everybody being in different places. And um, it's a kind of a strange record. I don't know what people think of it. It's very, like, very ethereal and kind of... Um, uh, dreamy. <laughs> it's good. You know? I, I got to see the band in uh, in Halifax uh, last October, and it was really wonderful. And uh, I liked it. And then you've got and Jen is great. I was trying to say that Jen is Jen's a lovely singer. She's a lovely person. Yeah, she's awesome, and she's. I think she should be way more well known than she is. And um, I don't know. I think she. Sh- you know. I think. I don't know. I, I. I'm really surprised that she's not like super well known. So. I don't know if this this project that we're doing is kind of maybe not going to be like the most commercial thing <laughs> that she's done, you know. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to um, raise her profile that way, but hopefully, like people see, oh, she's like got these really cool lyrics and she's got a wicked voice. She can really sing, and so I feel like for you know, I know what you're saying. I think on a sort of underground to middle ground level, she had a pretty good profile there for a while, and she still does. But I mean, I know she recently left. Uh, the label she was on or something yeah yeah i mean i think there was a bunch of changes like that too but i went and saw her band play at the marquee and it was like this it kind of reminded me of like something like is that you know how like a band like wilco are like really popular and they're cool but they're they're kind of um accessible but neat you know yeah that's kind of what her stuff reminds me of it's like that you know I mean, maybe they, maybe it's just like where you are, like having to tour. I mean, she tours a fair amount too. So I, I hopefully, you know, in the like in the future, people will kind of know more about what she does. And yeah, um, yeah she's got it's really creative too, like genuinely creative. You know, like not like into the craft of nothing wrong with being into the craft of songwriting, but she's not doing it because like. You know, she's not kind of doing. She doesn't want to get in a room in Nashville or whatever. Like she's trying to do something that's actually imaginative. So I respect that. You know, yeah. like somebody who's coming from a place that's kind of re- genuinely creative as opposed to craftsperson like. Yeah, and she's got a great spirit spirit about her too. I mean, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she's she's great. I'm glad you guys are working together because you're she. I'd say she's one of my favorite people. You're one of my favorite people. It's good, and the band is good. I enjoyed cool. seeing it. I can't wait to hear the whole record. Um. Uh, you mentioned earlier that Josh is like a musical encyclopedia, but I kind of think of you as a, a bit of a musical encyclopedia uh, on, on on many levels. You know a lot about music too, right? You've 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 sort of studied it. Well, kind of, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's almost like if you don't really have, I'm not even saying I have a lot of aptitude in music, but it was a thing that I really got kind of hooked hooked into, you know. And if you, and that's probably what it just kind of. If you look at my bookshelf, it's kind of sad. There's like I don't really read novels anymore. My wife makes fun of me because it's all like it's all like rock books. It's like how many books about Jimi Hendrix can you read? Really, you know, like I don't know. I've probably owned like seven of them or something. So yeah. it's kind of this ner- nerdy kind of scholarship aspect to it too. That's like, and a lot of the stuff too is like who knows? If, uh, it's very uh, what's that? What's Rashomon? It's very Rashomon, you know. Did. You know what actually happened. You never really know. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah. Oh, but uh, oh, there's there's an awesome book I read recently though about uh, uh, it's David Todd. This guy David Todd wrote this book called Feeding Back, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's it's like one of the best music books I've ever read. It's really really inspiring. It's like he's interviewing all these different guitar players, but they're all like weird guitar players. So it's like Tom Verlaine, Richard Thompson, Johnny Marr. Uh, one of the uh, first uh, no, Lee Ronaldo, Glenn Branca, um, oh, just a bunch of weird guitar players talking about guitars like from from a different perspective of like learning like blues scales and stuff. It's a great if you're a guitar player. It's like really yeah. really good. I totally recommend that book. It's kind of hard to find, I think, but it's called Feeding Back. Just that's- stuff like that, you know, like that, that's a really worthwhile. Like sometimes it's just like recounting facts and you know oh jimmy Hendrix arrived in uh london and you know this day and then he went over to so-and-so's house to jam like that's all like just facts but this book actually has like a lot of information that's really insightful 
you know? Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Do you, do you, and this sounds, and this maybe going to take you back a little bit, but do you remember who published this book? I could find out. It's in my house right now and I'm in my backyard, but I don't know if I should go in there and. No, no, no. It's, that. it's not know. that big a deal. I just, because you, the other, like a little while ago, you were trying to urge me to write a book about people. Yeah, man. <laughs> what was the premise again? You're like, just people who, who did it, who like worked <laughs> on Chronicles of Failure. <laughs> says, yeah. People who, it was like Born to Lose or something. And it was just like this yeah, idea yeah, yeah. of like chronicling all these people who make music no matter what this, the odds are against them. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, but I was also like, I'm at a point where I'm like, well, who's the audience for that? Who am I going to get to convince to put out totally. this book? And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like you and I are both convinced that uh, a certain individual is like a major, major artist. But most people, if you say that to them, they go, they go like, who's that? Yeah, you know what I mean. So um, you know, with in the case of like Al Tuck, I mean, he's, I think he's a major, major songwriter. Like I don't really know anyone who's better working today like I, and I'm not just like I, I yeah I know him and stuff like that but I would if I but I, I don't know if I would have found out about him if I didn't know him or you know if I didn't mm -hmm. live in where I live so you introduced um, me to, you literally introduced me to him in like 1995 we were at oh, the, right on. this was at the volcano in yeah. Kitchener and oh. <laughs> which is an infamous show but basically the super friends went on a little headlining tour and you brought Al with you and maybe some, but maybe the local rabbits or somebody, I can't remember, but it's definitely you and Al and, uh, Al opened and I met him and I picked up a couple of, I picked up a couple of the records that he had for sale and, but his, uh, guitarist at the time, uh, Clive was a, Cl yeah, Clive McNutt. Yeah. Clive McNutt had a, a nervous breakdown on stage and like <laughs> destroyed his guitar. Yeah. And it was really <laughs> ugly and strange and I didn't know what was going on. And I was, what was I, 18 or something? And I was like, what yeah. the hell is going on? Yeah, well, that was an ill-fated trip for that band, for the Tuck. It was like all the bad bad things happened to them and then on that tour and all the And, so, and it was kind of, we took kind of like a, almost like a bit of a, not a not a sadistic pleasure, but it was, it was amusing to a certain point that, you know, <laughs> things, it was kind of, they weren't really a band. It was kind of like Al and a bunch of, guys that he kind of assembled so it was like them uh in a van you know it was it was it was very it was kind of ramshackle and they're all really good musicians that like that's the thing too like clive's in a clive's a phenomenal guitar player and keyboard player so and he's still going and um he's still around and he's doing a lot better than he was that that particular day so. yeah he was going through like a personal situation and it just came out on stage basically i mean were you on yeah. were you not playing in the band with al well, he, yeah, I think that was because of, the, yeah, because Clive wasn't around to play the show, so I sat in, and, um... I thought you were on stage when this meltdown was happening, I can, maybe I'm wrong. That might have been, yeah. It's, it's all, like, it really, like, 1995, like, it's, yeah, it's like, it, that probably is true, but, but it's, <laughs> like, it's all, it's all Rashomon thing, right? It's, like, different... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. multiple viewpoints like sometimes drew tells these stories about these tours and i'm like was i there like the way i remember it was complete you know it's just like anything is you get you know you get these different viewpoints and you get like 20 years on it and it's just oh okay yeah <laughs> uh you know so it's it's pretty interesting that way and i mean like the you know classic thing with al like i mean 
you could see like one of the best shows you've ever seen and you could see something that was like a kind of a, went pear shaped or something, but it's always going to be interesting. But, you know, you talk to different people say, Oh yeah, the best show I ever saw was, you know, I'll talk solo at the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was, some will say that was the worst show I ever saw. You know, so there's, there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, you know, there's no, uh, what, what is it? There's no absolutes in rock and roll. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, but I, I do think it was a good idea and maybe I'll explore it. I mean, it, yeah, it's interesting that just kind of, applying kind of scholarship to to music is always is always interesting because I you know there's so many music books and I always wonder what what the audience is for it and and for a while yeah. there for a while there I was like I got to get out of this all I've done is music um yeah but but you know maybe that's for a reason I mean I'm obviously fully immersed in it so well it kind of um it's a very uh what's the word like it it uh when it when it gets you like it's unfortunate you know like i kind of today i was joking i i was i was playing the guitar and i said to the guy who was working with us like guitar i wish i never met you i might be an accountant now or something like that you know it's <laughs> like it if it, it can it kind of consumes you and then it kind of you you might not even be that good but you're gonna get sucked into it you know like it's, yeah. it's almost like the if you don't work at it you know you won't be any good and if even if you work out a lot you still might not end up being that good so it's it's a it's uh yeah it's not not something i recommend you know like i remember the was the good brothers had a joke where they if they wanted their kids to be musicians they'd hang the instruments high on the wall and say don't touch them you know right so you know if you if you and with the case of my kids i'm definitely not like um you know, my daughter's getting pretty into the flute, but I'm, it's not like I'm like, hey, yeah, the flute is a, <laughs> you should really focus on the flute exclusively, you know. Well, um, it's funny you say that because, like, this afternoon I went to look at a tiny, my my kid's going to be three uh, next yeah. next week, and he is currently, as much as, like, he has, you know, cognizant, cognitive, cognitive abilities and all that, like, he's a pretty smart kid. He seems to know what he likes, but he's a kid, and, like, I feel like, up to 20 years old, it's nothing but phases, but he is currently into music, and he likes it a lot. And whenever he sees a drum kit, he wants to play a drum kit. Whenever he sees a guitar, he wants to play the guitar. So this afternoon, I went and looked at a tiny mini drum kit. Yeah, I think drums, drums, yeah, why not, too? Because you get, like, there's some something to kind of, like, bash. and. I was thinking of it as a coordination thing, almost. Even if he <laughs> ends up hating them, you got you got yeah. there's a certain amount of coordination you pick up just figuring out how to hit drums. No, I think that'd be awesome. And I mean I uh, you know, you want you want to kind of give like it's more like you want to offer show, you know, offer them like different possibilities and you're not going to be like down there with a metronome. Well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I'm know? not that I'm not being that serious about it. Like that's the thing. Like yeah. I wanted to get him a kit and then like well, to be honest, my parents were like what should we get uh, you know, what should we get him for his birthday? And I was like, well, we just got him a little tiny bicycle, uh, which was, you know, that's that something he needed to figure out. It's like he was riding around at the department store and we we're like, well, he seems to got the hang of it. So there's that. But I was, you know, for a little while thinking of getting him a little tiny drum kit. And they were like, okay. So I went and looked at it. It's like a little tiny, tiny Ludwig drum kit. It's not that cool. much, it's not that much money, but. Is the hardware good? Like, does it look like it like withstand the pummeling of a no three no it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't at all but i do think like what am i doing i just figure i'll give him the the shot and then if he wants you're right I, i'm treating it like a toy it's like an elaborate toy and if he gets <laughs> into it i no pressure i don't care like I don't, if he doesn't like him it's fine but so far everything points to him liking it so i'm getting him a thing he likes currently and then at some point you've yeah. got a, your kids are older than than three so you probably have seen them go through like I really, 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 really want this, and then you get it for them. And they're like, yeah, I don't want it anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, well, and the musical taste, like I, 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 and I don't mean to. This is this might sound like a downer, but I found like with my kids before they kind of knew, before they had all the kind of, I don't know, I want to say like societal pressure, like they're getting marketed to pretty yeah. insanely, and it's more video based, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's more, it's not, it's not really, they're not really getting music isn't getting marketed to them so much as videos. Right. So, um, and they're really targeted hard. So, um, I mean, my, my older daughter used to be in like Queens of the stone age when she was like four. 
Right. Right. But now, now she's, you know, and then she, then, but then she, once she kind of got her peer group, then she's kind of, you know, they, they love everything until the peer group kind of dictates that that's not cool or that's outside of a, um, I mean, maybe your, maybe your guy will be like, you know, who knows, you know, there's no, always no, I totally, it's fine right now. It's, it's totally what it is. And I didn't know this was going to happen, but right now, like he's, his favorite bands are like the Ramones and the replacements. <laughs> and that's, that's what he likes. Like that's the songs he knows pavement. He that's loves awesome. pavement. Yeah. It's awesome. But I also know that it's a window. It's going to close. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is just enjoy this while I enjoy can. It. <laughs> Because when totally. it's when it first the reason it happened was he just wanted to listen to the Wiggles, which is like a kids oh, nice. kids group, right? And so we'd listen to it, and eventually I was like, I can't handle this anymore. Can we put on something? They don't else? have a lot of ideas. Like they they're kind of a one trick pony, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the old Wiggles. Yeah, a little bit. So it became a thing where I'm like, Hey, do you want to try listening to something else? And he's currently at an age where, you know, he might resist, but he he looks up to us. And wants to be involved in the things that we like, so I just yeah. gradually was like, I want to listen to the replacements in the car, and he just liked it because it was Papa was telling him an idea of a thing he could like, and it wasn't like you have to like this, you know. He'll still make requests for uh, that Pharrell song, Happy. You know that song, the yeah from yeah. the soundtrack to some movie. I can't Catchy. remember. Yeah, so he still <laughs> th- there's that stuff, but I'm just trying to get you know some stuff in there too. That's all it is. So, yeah, and I mean, I mean, in a weird kind of way, the Ramones are like the ultimate children's band, but kids just don't know it, you know, like yeah, exactly. Like he, catchy and he's walking know, around like, the same way he was with the Wiggles. He's like, Papa, you're you're Joey, uh, Gary, the cat is Dee Dee. I'm, you know, like he's going around talking about how we're all the Ramones. I'm Johnny, Mama's, you know, he's just doing it, and and it's amazing. <laughs> like we, they they are they look like characters and they act like kind of cartoon characters. So. I think that's a big revelation. If we've taught anyone anything today, it's that if you have small children, introduce them to the remotes. Yeah, and I mean, like, be, something like Beat on the Brat, that that message is not doesn't have to be taken literally either, although... The first record is questionable for kids, I would say. Like, having... If it gets to a point where he asked me what 53rd and 3rd is about, which is a song uh, chronicling Dee Dee's experiences as a male prostitute... Uh, you know, if he actually asked me those questions, it'll be a difficult conversation. But right now, he thinks the lyrics and the chorus uh, really is puppy, bird, and bird. Maybe this is like something that, maybe you got to re-record like a, <laughs> a bunch of Ramones tunes with, uh, you know, puppy, bird, and bird. That's, yeah, that could... That, that's that a, could, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's better than the Wiggles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Now, you... Grew up like I, I was rereading a, a a thing I wrote about Super Friends not too long ago, and uh, Drew Yamada, your bandmate in the Super Friends, suggests that you were one of the catalysts for him discovering bands like Meat Puppets and the Replacements, and you liked Uncle Tupelo, um, mostly American bands. Like you got into kind of that college rock situation. How how did you get into that stuff? Um. Oh well, it was just probably not having too much else to do and then you start kind of researching like you know maybe just wanting to be who knows i mean who who really knows but i mean i remember hearing because I, I lived in uh you know grew up in toronto and i remember hearing the meat puppets on college radio or whatever and like this crazy sounded like it was from another planet um you know and then just kind of really and it's also maybe it was like okay well this is different and this is something i can kind of like find out on my own and it's not uh you know, most of my friends were listening to like ACDC, which I was I was kind of into or whatever. But there was, some, you know, it didn't really speak to uh, the alienated youth that I was. You know what I mean? There was like talking about stuff that was more, um, uh, in you know, I could relate to like Husker do like the lyrics and stuff. I could really, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're like everything's so serious when you're that when you're a teenager. And it's like, like you know, the replacements especially. Like I mean, the lyrics were really really important to me. I don't know, like just what he was talking about. I could relate to it. And it, it was really important to me. Like re I can't really overstate how important it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, so it was that kind of thing. And then it was like, okay, like, 
um, it's such a humor too, which was really weird and kind of quirky in a lot of that stuff, especially the meat puppets. What I liked about them too, they were just really weird and kind of arty and, but they're also like good, really good players. I don't know. It's just like a whole bunch of things that about it that I found really, like that was that well, that was the best. I think that was the best stuff being made then, right? Yeah, no, I, from, yeah. Maybe maybe there's stuff being made in England that was really good too, or in. Uh, but I mean, the stuff that, that the best music in the '80s was all underground. It was completely ignored by, you know, most of it anyway. I mean, the, any kind of like rock music was com- completely ignored by mainstream radio until. You know, until I was older, until like we're, you know, by the time Nirvana came around, it was like, it wasn't like, oh, this band sounds really different. It was more like, oh, they sound like, you know, Soul Asylum with better production or whatever. Right, or, right. You know, I mean, it was already the groundwork had been laid by all those other bands like Dinosaur and, you know, the Pixies or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, but that stuff was really, really good. And it was, a lot of it was really like rattly recorded too, which is, you know, some of my favorite stuff really sound weird now when you listen like Husker Do Records sounds insane mm-hmm. um, but the content it kind of uh, what is the content kind of outshines the the uh, what is does that make sense yeah 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 the, like it, it kind of transcends the, the yeah. medium in which it was captured yeah, I guess. I, yeah 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 so okay so um, so the, those bands like I mean they you kind of sounded like you were you had an underground. Uh, you had an appreciation for not only underground but sort of underdogs on some level. Where where did that kind of get instilled within you as a young man? Like were you were you what made you what prompted you to seek out these bands that weren't that were ultimately being ignored by most of the mainstream press? Well, you never know. It could just be like trying to be different or whatever. By being like, if you have the stance of like not of being in you know as a teenager, you're going to be in opposition to a lot of things. So, um, if you're kind of got a healthy, uh, imagination or whatever. So I, mean, I don't know. I, I really, I don't want to read too much into it, but it was just more like stuff that was, uh, under, underappreciated maybe a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, and well, I mean, in the case of some like talk, I like, I find like the more time I spend in the working in the quote unquote, like the fringes of the music industry, it's like, I'm realizing more and more. It's the people that are really organized, get ahead i mean it's not necessarily about being an artist all the time right so i think with some one thing i liked about a lot of these bands is that the artistry was kind of seemed like the artistry maybe it wasn't but to me it seemed like the artistry was kind of first yeah Uh, yeah so um and i mean now i mean we're basically creating a or not we but the whatever the kids that are now are getting like, as far as I like, there's gotta be some band that's gotta come along and, uh, kind of, there's gotta be something to come along in the next few years that, I mean, what, what kids are into and what they're getting, what they're, what's getting marketed to them is, you know, if there's any, it's, is worse than the eighties <laughs> in a lot of respects, I think, yeah. especially for like guitar based music. It's crazy bad, you know, and in a mainstream sense. So, yeah, but, no, uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, at some point you started playing with Drew. Um, you know, all of these bands, all of this sort of, all of these ideas, kind of informing what you wanted to do as a songwriter yourself. But when you started with Drew, you were mostly kind of playing like kind of acoustic, acoustic guitar together, right? Oh, um, me personally. Yeah, like weren't the two of you kind of just trading off on acoustic guitars? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like. I, what, basically what happened, you know, I, I, the year, I guess when I was 12, and I don't want to, you know, but when I was 12, it, basically the week my parents got divorced, I got an electric guitar, so you can kind of put two and two, you know what I mean? Hmm. So then, I had an acoustic guitar too, but it was like, that was kind of like the main thing through high school, and then there was a bit of that strummy coffee house type of stuff going on for a while, but we weren't really listening to that kind of music, except for Neil Young, who can do no wrong, right? Yeah. We weren't really listening to a lot of acoustic stuff. Um, and Uncle Tupelo, I guess, a bit. But, uh, yeah, that was more probably because we weren't allowed. I think the first year I met him, we were, like, in a dormitory so at uh, at King's, right? So we tried to jam once <laughs> with electric stuff. <laughs> and then the next year when, we moved, when everybody moved out and had, like, apartments, I had a 
basement where we could jam. And then that's when we started this band, Rhinoplasty, which was more like a kind of really bad. No, it wasn't bad, but it was like a gr- kind of grungy, kind of garagey band. Right. Yeah. And, but and the that, acoustic thing, I think, might have been more like of necessity than, <laughs> to, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, re, uh, what's the word? Like, um, I don't want to be too revisionist here, but I don't, I don't think they, like the acoustic component of was just like, yeah, this is all we can do right oh, now. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. I just knew that you guys were starting to trade off songs before you met Matt, and then it became kind of a, a trio of people trading off songs. And then it seems like from that, like a natural offshoot of that relatively quiet collaboration was to form yeah. a band when you had the ability to make noise. But the fact that you all had your own voices in the band you know, I was talking to Monomyth about this the other day. As I said, they were on the show and we were talking about Halifax and the kind of bands that seem to represent this musical democracy. Was this an intentional thing? Was this was this a an offshoot of what was going on in your community where most bands seem to have multiple singers and multiple songwriters? I guess to a degree, but I, I really, it, you know, I really think that uh, there's a real lot, like I don't want to, but there's a real lack of awareness and a real lack of calculation with a lot of that stuff. It was probably like, well, he's got songs and I got songs and I, I need people to play mine. And <laughs> you know, it, that, it was a lot of that. I think it, it wasn't kind of like, we're going to be like the, you know, we're going to be a, a trio, like, or, you know, it's going to be like the Beatles. It was more like, I just want to get this stuff out there. And by any means you could, you know, so you kind of, I mean, the more of the the thing that the best analogy I thought for the super friends, somebody wrote an article once saying it was like breaking away. It was like that, like he, this was a movie about the cyclists, like the kind of like gang of rejects. Who got together. <laughs> and, <laughs> that it was like, we were kind of like, we weren't, you know, we were kind of like, didn't have, we played with, uh, Matt and I played with talk a bit and, but it was like, we didn't have our own band. We were just like, shit, like we got to do something we got to, you know, we just felt like our lives were passing us by with all our friends were in these bands like Sloan or, you know, um, jail and stuff. They were doing like a lot of, I, it was all around the same time. It was kind of blurry, but it was more like, we were just like, shit, we got we to get, get off our asses and like actually do something. <laughs> it was more yeah. of that kind of, it was kind of, uh, and I mean, the common ground was fairly wide, but there's also a lot of aspects to it that weren't like, there wasn't a lot of commonality about some things, you know? So, but um, but the thing we all agree on is we really like like the Kinks and uh, you know television yeah television yeah those two yeah you're, <laughs> it was pretty much what we we're yeah there's yeah to show that kind of guitar interplay two guitar interplay mm-hmm. but you know um, but really lack of calculation like really really not clued out like we were all kind of thought about stuff but we didn't think about it like as a conceptually you know. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. It just sort of happened the way it happened, and and it just kept going, and and so we're we're kind of here now, and that's and then that's just the way it sort of ended up. Um, I do want to ask about your production work because at some point you got more into making records and and that aspect of things. You, earlier you were talking about how much you you appreciated the sound of some records that meant a lot to you. Um, how did you end up actually getting into being a, a producer, an engineer? Well, it was really kind of out of, uh, honestly, it was kind of like, you know, being in the, in the band and then just at the end of it, kind of being like, Hmm, well, I want to stay involved working on records. And I've always been doing like four tracking and all that stuff. And just looking at a way to keep involved without having to tour too much and also, also kind of a desperation. Like I was back at the same kind of dishwashing job. I, you know, when I started playing in the band or whatever, three years later, I was back in the same player four years later, exactly where I started. I was like, shit, like, yeah, I got to do something. So it was the same kind of thing. Like not, not very calculated and pretty, you know, maybe there's a bit of a pattern emerging, but, but, you know, it, just but, got in. but that, that requires a certain skill set. Like, did you just learn from making records yourself? Like, I mean, like of other people sort of like, uh, it was. Yeah. A, I had a lot to. I still got got a lot to learn. But I mean, I had a lot to learn. Even I started doing like home recording, and then we had like an eight track machine with the Super Friends. And but I mean, like I yeah. I, I mean, I I took me a long time to, and I don't really feel you know. Obviously, like that's a whole other discipline that is really 
um, you know, it's something that uh, I feel like I'm kind of got a clue, but, you know, compared to, it's just more like I, I wanted to stay involved in making records. And maybe if I couldn't be the dude playing the instruments all the time, at least I could help people and not get in the way of what people are trying to do. That was kind of my thing. It was like, I was sometimes frustrated working on records where it was like someone telling me I couldn't do this thing. And I was like, well, I just want to try this. And they were like, well, no, that's sonically impossible or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he got that a lot in, in the eighties, kind of late eighties, early nineties. Like you can't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that was kind of like the idea of like not being a barrier to other people's but then you you know it's then you kind of like you know as you get into it more you you realize like ten years later it's like yeah that is kind of sonically impossible or, or there's a reason why a lot of studios look like dentist office because it you know everything has to be so organized and my place is kind of like a, a you know a junk heap and <laughs> I'm like oh man I wish I'd gone about this differently and was more organized you know um, but it's more about just trying to stay staying involved and just trying to make stuff you know stuff that excites you and the people you know um but in a lot of cases like now i mean say like a band like monomyth they'll come in and do like their basic tracks at the studio or the studio and then they'll go and mess around with it at home for like two months and then they'll come back and like finish it but the creative process like with home recording stuff is like can happen can really happen within the band now a yeah. lot more than yeah 20 years ago yeah. So, you know, like it's not, they're not, you know, they can make stuff that sounds really cool and mess around. And then, um, so that's the kind of thing that's neat. It's like, that wasn't really an option as much unless it was all four tracks, like early nineties stuff was definitely all four track stuff. So you had limits, certain limitations, like which were cool and themselves, but not for everything, you know, like not everyone's got it by voices. Like not everyone can make a masterpiece on a four track. So, right. Right. Well, speaking of masterpieces, Mock Up Scale Down came out. I consider it a masterpiece. It got a lot of love uh, when it came out. It got a lot of love with the reissue recently. Are you are you happy with uh, how things turned out with the uh, the double vinyl? I know it showed up late, but otherwise, are you, are you pleased to, to have it on vinyl? Yeah, no, I think it turned out awesome. Yeah, I mean, the, that was really... Uh, I know I've told, talked to you about this a bunch, but uh, Brendan McGuire, the guy who actually engineered that record like if anything he was kind of like making sure we didn't do anything too stupid so he was really really instrumental um so yeah probably one reason to turn out really well because of that guy yeah yeah i mean with the like i don't know if people know much about that brendan mcguire guy like people maybe don't hear that name a lot but he was really he was pretty important to recording a lot of those bands around here um, like I, he was Sloan sound guy for a while too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was Sloan sound guy and he made records for them. And I mean, uh, there's a whole saga of even how he came about recording your band for the first time. Um, yeah, no, he's, it's a great record and, uh, and, uh, I'm glad it came out again, but I do want to ask you about the status of the super friends. Generally, you're playing this one single show. There have been rumors that there's a forgotten or lost record that has yet to be completed. What's going on with the band? Oh, well, you know, it's it's just people not having... It's hard to find the time. It really is, you know, like in Matt uh, Murphy lives in Toronto and Drew is a doctor. And um, we're all, you know, everyone's really... Schedules are really busy. So we started working on something about five years ago and I still have those bed tracks. Um, I think Matt in particular, like kind of his songs, he wasn't super psyched on at the time and he might have like re kind of, um, started them or something. Um, but there's a couple things that were pretty cool, but the dynamic is, was different. Like, I think the one thing that was cool that the mock-up thing is like, you got the songs really tight or pretty tight and then you went and bang them out, you know? Yeah. And now like not have, not being like a band band where you, you practice and then you play shows and then you go and record. Like it's the studio as an instrument kind of opens up a can of worms. that's kind of hard to close sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, like if you listen to mock up scale down, it's like two guitars, bass and drums, pretty much that's it. Um, and that's probably one of the things that like the minimalist aspect to it is something that makes it pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's hard to 
it's hard to work with those kind of, I don't know. This is just my take on it. It's just really hard to, to keep things that focused when you're not a, a working band. Um, so that, I think the stuff like the songs are probably really cool, but you know, guitar parts that might take like two months to write in jams. You can't just write parts that good. Yeah. Yeah. In 10 minutes or maybe you can, I don't know, but I don't know if this, that's just my take on it. Like it's just hard to keep that momentum going. So it would take um, a it would take a minor miracle for the Super Friends to become like an active, fully active band at this point. Well, uh, my mom, you know, I I I, uh, I think that's pretty unlikely. But it would be it would be great. It would be fun to play. I want, I was pushing to play more shows, but I'm kind of more for you know for for I probably don't have anything better to do than to play shows. <laughs> Whereas some other guys might have, you know, they've got like real careers. I'm kind of like just always doing like music stuff. That's not, um, so, and with Marsh too, Marsh is kind of like a, a real working musician. So he's always interested in doing stuff, but it's more like he's got commitments to doing Joel stuff. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, it's, it's definitely really, it's really different, you know, like you, um, the cliche, you know, it's like, it's just hard to like old timers hockey, like, you know, it's, it is literally old timers hockey. Like, are you going <laughs> to, you can get to the ice like once every few weeks or something like that, but you're, um, can you get, you, you can't get to the ice like every night. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's too bad, but I mean, I'm glad, uh, you're going to be playing Guelph and I want to tell people that, as I say, the super friends playing the Hillside festival in Guelph on Saturday, July 26th. Tickets for that day are actually all sold out, but you can still buy tickets for Friday and Sunday at hillsidefestival.ca. And you can learn more about the super friends, at the superfriends.tumblr.com. I think that's the best place, right, Charles? Yeah, that's an amazing website. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, so I guess I'll see you on uh, Sunday too, so we can have a have a chat. Yeah, have yeah. A laugh we can have sure. we can have a laugh. Is there a song we can play by uh, by the Super Friends right now for people to hear? Yeah, have you got any of those like weird rarities or anything like that? Uh, I might have some. You could probably send me some. You want to send me something? Yeah, I could probably find some things up. There's like a rarities thing on the internet that's like MP3s of these tunes. There's a couple of tunes that are kind of cool. That there's a there's a couple of songs like some of the like that Matt Murphy song Mountaineer. Yeah, and there's a song that Drew's called Over My Head that's kind of a cool song. Like it has a it's kind of countryish almost, but it's a neat tune. There's a bunch of songs that were kind of neat near the end that we never really recorded properly but there's like these kind of bootleggy things which one do you want to play like do you have an idea of which one you'd want to play right now there's that mountaineer song is cool song you probably find that pretty easily all right well that sounds good let's go with that let's go with that we'll go with mountaineer by the super friends and charles it's always a pleasure to speak with you i wish you the best of luck with everything and i'm going to see you really soon cheers this is the new one it's called mountaineer
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.